Devora Vale. I'm a life and wellness coach and the host of this podcast. Welcome to Accessing Your Best Self, a space meant for exploring the wisdom of Torah and its practical application for improving our character. We're dedicating this class to the wounded from the attack in Muncie of Tali Tzvi ben Gila, Shloima ben Vittel, Chaim ben Vittel, and Yosef ben Peril. You should have a refuah shalema. And emotionally and spiritually and in all areas of their life, physically. Um, mm. And I just thought we'd just say a quick uh, tehillim for everybody who needs a refuah shalema. So this is Chaf, Lamanatzeach, Mismore David, Yancha Adonai B'Yom Tzara, Yisagev Chashim Elohi Yaakov, Yishlach Ezrecha Mikodosh Yomitzion Yisadeka, Yizkor Komin Chosecha V'Olascha Yedash Nesela. Yitain L'chachel Babecha V'chol Atzascha Yimaleh, Yiranana B'Shuasecha V'Shem Eloheinu Nidgoh, Yimaleh Adonai Kol Mishalosecha, Atayadati Kiyoshia Adonai Meshicho, Yahanehu Mishmei Kadsho, Bigvuros Yeshami Yemino, Elav Arecha Ve'elav Asusi Ve'anachni V'shem Adonai Eloheinu Naskir, Heimakaru V'nafalu, Ve'anachni Kamnu V'nisodad, Adonai Hoshia Melech Ya'anenu V'yom Ka'enu. We should rise up against our enemies the way we did in the times of Hanukkah, but we shouldn't even have the need, Merit Hashem. Hashem should just take care of them without us having to interfere. Interfere, yeah. exactly. Much like in the days of Hanukkah. Okay, so we're, we were, been talking about, uh, Hakpada and tools for how to get rid of the internalized anger and resentment that all of us feel whenever we are in a position of feeling uh, misunderstood, insulted, offended. Um, and we talked about how out of the best ways of dealing with, to- with this kind of incident is really what we would call direct conversation. But many people shy away from this. Most people shy away from it because it's such a difficult thing to do. And anybody try it this week? <laughs> Don't try this one at home. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, anyway, so um, we, you know, we are afraid to do it because we're worried that it's going to backfire. We're worried that uh, the other person will not be able to be macabre, and no matter how how we blanket it and use it, you know, try to do it in the best way possible. And we mentioned a lot of different tools, even before you attempt to, to just how to deliver tochacha. It's got to be the right time, the right place. Even to make an appointment is a good idea. The tone of your voice has to be correct. Even if your words are well thought out, the tone can affect everything. We talked about the sandwich method to start with something positive and sandwich what you want to say between two positives. Uh, we talked about using the word and and not but. We talked about putting ourselves on the same team with the other person. In other words, we won't, we both want this. So let's do A, B, and C, or what do you think about A, B, and C? And we talked about um, a lot of different ways that we can give tochacha. And then we talked a little bit about how to receive tochacha, because we said that one of the ways that we can um, be able to give it more effectively, especially with those in our circle one, is when we're able to model 
receiving it in the right way. And when we do that, then maybe people will be less afraid of getting it themselves. So we talked about uh, the more spiritual idea that when a person uh, welcomes constructive criticism, this is a person who is invested in growing. Because really, throughout our Torah, uh, there are many examples where the rabbis speak about how a person who wants to grow will welcome constructive criticism. And even if it's not from somebody who loves you and is trying to give it to you in the best way, but like David Amelech said, even from my enemies, I can, I can learn, right? Even my enemies can teach me something because often your enemies know what, you know, what it is about you that bothers them even more so. So the idea is to be committed to self-growth, to realize that we're in this world to become better. And we talked about this idea that we're all like a vessel that wants to be full and overflowing with being able to uh, exercise and actualize our potential, but we have little holes in our vessel, and perhaps the people that are pointing out the things that we need to correct or situations that come up over and over again that tell us there's something that we need to fix are really there to help us fill in those holes in our vessel. And who wouldn't want to walk around with a complete and whole vessel if it's possible? So, you know, the sages tell us to love tochacha. And it's one of the 48 ways to wisdom. I'm sure Ellie's getting to that one soon on her class. She doesn't tell me yeah. personally. <laughs> yeah. And Ellie Bass, I'm saying she's teaching 48 ways oh, to Ellie wisdom. Bass. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, she's doing great. And anyway, so, you know, loving tochacha is not an easy thing. But again, if we think about it and we talk about it and we understand that really everything in this world that Hashem sends us is there to help us become all that we can be. And, um, okay, so a little bit more about how to accept tochacha. Okay, so there's a mission in Avos that says, run to do an easy mitzvah and run away from sin. This is in chapter 4. So it says, run away from the sin. The rabbis talk about what is the sin? What is the Mishnah talking about? So one of the Mephorshim say that it, it refers to your tragic flaw, to your weak point, the one that stops you from being the best person that you can be. So run to do an easy mitzvah and run away from the sin, meaning run away from that weak point, that flaw, that again, we said that someone who gives you tochacha in the right way is trying to help you recognize that shortcoming. Okay, so how do you receive tochacha when somebody gives it to you? So one uh, tool, of course, because especially if we're not expecting it, and usually we're shocked by it, and we said that the surprise, surprise is the enemy of, I can't remember how that expression went, Surprise is the enemy of a proper response, basically. Okay, that when we're surprised, it's very difficult for us to have a proper response. So the first tool is to buy time and say to the person, you know what, I'm, let me think about that. Okay, and that gives you time to kind of process what the person said and to see if there's anything in it that you can take and discuss and 
think about on your own of whether there's any truth in it. Okay? So, second idea is called validation. You wronged the other person, but you don't really think you did anything wrong. You can still say something like, I'm sorry that you're upset. Wow, you're so sad, you're so upset. Now, you may not be able to say, I'm sorry at that moment, because you really don't think you did anything. You don't think that you're accountable. So you're not going to say sorry authentically. But there's nothing wrong with feeling the person's pain. right? We said that before, that anger, Stephen Covey says, instead of saying, why are you so angry? It's really, any time there's anger, it's because of a hurt. Because a person's been hurt. So rather than say, why are you so angry? We're supposed to say, what's hurting you? Or, or maybe... I see that you are upset. So that you're just validating it. You're not giving up. That's very good. A positive. And then you say, I have to think about this. Yeah. Let me think this through. Let me think this through. Uh-huh. Yeah. But if you say, I'm sorry, you're upset, it kind of opens the door for a discussion too. Because uh-huh. maybe they can say, mm-hmm. well, you know. Yeah. Right. You start, I'm sorry you're upset and you're not going right to the issue. Yeah. You're, you're not, just, say, yeah, you're not you, touching on the issue, which could lead to greater it getting away with you with, without it being constructive. Yeah. You're giving the person mm-hmm. the sense that you understand, you're empathizing with them, but you're not necessarily going into the topic, because that might be something that you want to think about or that you're not sure about, but you're giving them validation. Yeah, that's very good. So that's the idea. Okay, um, you should first feel their pain, and by doing that, you won't be in a defensive position. Okay. So the second, the third idea, which we talked a little bit about and it comes up, is called intent. Do you like Arlene's glasses on me? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> They're big. <laughs> yeah. I, I had them in my other coat and then I quickly changed. Okay. So the other idea is the idea of intent, impact, discrepancy. That the person could have a certain intent when they say something, do something, and the impact that it has on the other end is completely different than what they intended. And this happens a lot. So she says here that when you get to chacha, it doesn't mean that you are a terrible, unworthy person. Just that you wronged them in a certain way. And you should try to think to yourself their intent was not to tear you down. So often when we get to chacha, right, we immediately go into this defensive, low self-esteem kind of position, negative, negative, right, negativity. And she's trying to explain to us that that, from that place, there's no way that anything constructive can come Mm -hmm. from the interaction, right? So... You know, to just say, listen, I'm not a terrible person. I'm, in, I'm, I'm perfectly imperfect, like everybody else walking the planet. And if I did something or said something or it didn't come across in the way that I wanted it to, I shouldn't not only, I, I, it's not enough that you're beating me up or I feel beaten up, but I'm going to beat myself up. Actually, I was listening to a tape last night and a woman was talking about, um, she was talking about uh, something going on in her family where she knew she was right. She's a child of Holocaust survivors. She knew she was right, unlike her usual self, which is very impulsive. She even waited a week 
until she texted and, and WhatsApped and called and did all these different things about this issue. And it still didn't come out well. And then she couldn't sleep the whole night after that because she just felt so guilty about the fact that she caused all of this, even though she knew she was right. So it was just interesting because she said that, you know, guilt is never a good secondary response. That guilt really has no place because the idea of guilt is to feel it for a moment and then say, okay, what can I do to fix it? And to, that should be your secondary response. If your secondary response is wallowing in guilt and beating yourself up, that's never good. So I think that this kind of brings us up that, you know, we're supposed to say, you know, like be a man, right? Be, be a woman, whatever, and say, okay, I wronged you. Well, tell me what it is. And if I can try to fix it, I'm going to try to. And instead of taking this posture of guilt or beating oneself up or not getting to the, to the proactive, practical way of, you know, changing this, like we said last week, you know, to sit down with the spouse and say, you know, let's each write down five things that would change the way we interact with each other or, or things that I would like that maybe you don't even know that I like that are so easy and simple to do, to change, and it would just make things so much better. So that kind of idea, sort of preempt it, preempt it by, you know, going over and over in your mind. It's not a terrible thing if there's something wrong with me or if I do something wrong once in a while. I'm not a terrible person. I'm a person in progress like everybody else. And if anything, it makes me a greater person because I'm open to wanting to change, wanting to do what I can do. Um, apology builds trust. If there's anything I can apologize for, I will because it's important for the relationship. And she says that you should say sorry even if the other person is 99% wrong. Because if they're so upset about this, she says that, you know, even if you had a tiny part in it, even if you had the 0.1% part in it, but it's clear that they're 99% wrong, I think this is a hard one. I think she's talking about somebody on a very high level, perhaps, or maybe, I don't know, I want to hear what you think. But she says that because it's important for the relation, if you see that it's important for the relationship to be able to move on, even if your part in it was only 0.1%, you should try and model maturity, accountability, and accepting constructive criticism. Even if you're almost contributing nothing to the problem, find something tiny that is your part in this. What do you think of that? The people that I know best are far from perfect. I don't mean that it is an insult. I think that that's like a standard. Yeah. So I think that um, to hold people to like a level where this makes sense doesn't make sense in my circles. And if it doesn't make sense for people around the table, like I'm just assuming that I don't know you guys well enough to know that you're also faulted. You know what I'm saying? Like I think that we all, we all, I don't know that there's anybody in my closest circles that could come up to me and, and hurt me completely and that I would apologize to them and we would both wouldn't, both, both of us see through it. Uh huh. If I'm guilty, I'm guilty. If you're guilty, you're guilty. If, I don't if think I'm it, apologizing for the immediate if, issue. Mm -hmm. Must be there's something else going on that really should be being discussed, not the immediate issue. I think. Anybody else? I mean, I'm thinking that she's probably talking about this down the road. Like, I don't think this mm -hmm. is something you can do at the moment of, of 
flare-up or some kind of situation. In other words, it sounds like something that perhaps as you're working, if you're talking about a situation like yours where you're trying to work something out, mm-hmm. that maybe down the road you're going to say, listen, I really don't, in your in yourself, I really didn't don't think I did anything. I really think this is all about you. But if even the fact that I said or did something that flared this up in you, okay, or if I can find some it's little part like that, let's say, I could have... abuse. I'm so sorry. No, I don't know. I'm not talking about abuse, though. But like... When it gets... When, when we're talking about wrong, abuse, that's over the... Okay, we're talking about normal human relationships. We're not talking about abuse so that's here. what my problem is. Can we, can we give some examples of what a normal situation would be where someone would apologize for being wronged? Because I can't think of one. Well, you know, it could be like we said before that, you know, sometimes people have a certain sensitivity about a certain word or phrase used or going back to something that hurts them in their, you know, you talk about, you mentioned something about their family or you say something. So again, really, okay, like, okay, I mentioned something about your family, but 99% of what just happened here was because you're out of control or because you um, blew something way out of control, right? Okay, I mentioned your family, big deal, but that's really, right? But the point is, yeah, you mentioned a family, right? And even if that is not the thing that really is the cause of it all, if you can find one thing that says, you know what, you're right. Because again, this is about modeling for the other person who doesn't accept tochacha very well. This is about showing other people around us there is a way of being able to accept, even when I'm 99% right, but to be able to take responsibility for maybe that 1%. This is beyond my level. This is not You know what? I'm saying this is a very high level, but again, we're talking about modeling. Okay, let's yeah. say it was the family that you might say, oh yeah, your brother always ditches the family uh, functions yeah. or... Or something like that. And the person right. takes it hard, right. or whatever. You could say, "Yeah, I'm sorry. I wasn't sensitive to how you feel about it because he is mm-hmm. your brother." So then right. you're kind of saying you're sorry, but you're not really saying you're sorry. Yeah. But right. I just don't think example. it's helpful to yeah. remove the guilt completely. I, like, okay, I, I mentioned your brother is tardy, and therefore you uh, disrupt the whole table. Yeah, the table's upside yeah, down yeah. now. Okay, or the first food of all, is that, all cold by the time he shows up. Okay, oh, okay. okay. Yeah. So then, okay. So that's actually an interesting one because I can apologize that my brother's tardy. That's not going to change the situation. The food's still cold. That's right. So that, I'm going I'm to dwell on that one and see if I can make sense out of it because that, that I can sort of relate to in a way that where you, you are partly responsible even if it's not you, it's your brother. I, I get, I'm, I'm going to think about that. Yeah, and maybe you're like emphasizing something that, you know, that could have been unsaid that you can't change. like that for the last whatever 40 years mm-hmm. you've been married. And it's not going to change. So then, um, really, having said that, you who have said that, something about your brother-in-law, should not even be saying that anymore. So again, we can always find a way to But then when when does Torah and and the the great minds behind this year, when do we deal with the issue rather than everyone just being nice? No, no. That was our whole class before this. That was where the Tochacha was, right? What we're talking about now is modeling accepting Tochacha because we know that the other person is not very good at it. So what we're trying to do is say to them, you know what? There's nothing fearful about having some kind of altercation Mm -hmm. and 
you know what? I can I can accept that that little comment that I made was was unacceptable. You know, think you know that's true. And maybe what you're doing is welcoming them, giving them the opportunity to say, and what about you? I mean, was there anything here that perhaps you that you know really worked? But you know, it's not going to work. Everybody wants to feel right. Everybody wants to feel yeah, right. No one wants to be well, shown. We're wrong. wrong. Right. Yeah. But on the flip side, if you are so clearly, if I am so clearly very much in the wrong, I would feel so much better if somebody else said, oh, you know what, I also had a bad day. Or I also did something, I've got a friend, well, I mean, some, there's actually yeah. a conversation where yeah. I've got a friend who's really going through a hard time, and when she heard that some of the people in her close circle are also going through a hard time, she responded to me saying, you know what, everybody's going through something hard, it's just different for each person, and that made her feel better. So like... I think that we all, from the flip side, yeah. I, I get it that we can. She can't. acknowledged everybody's got okay. something. But, yeah. but you feel like if, yeah. if someone is so terribly guilty, maybe they'll feel a little bit better about themselves if I say, yeah, I'm also a little bit guilty. But it doesn't help the problem go away. It just makes them feel better. And I'm like, and okay, I think, I I think there's say. also an issue here. If a person is very touchy and uh, upset a lot, I think there's much deeper problem here. Yeah, I'm talking about Maybe the person is upset and some problem. Well, sometimes what happens maybe there's too. There's a lack of support. Maybe they have a very critical parents who constantly, you know, criticize. Right. So there's a much. There's something deeper. deeper. And, so usually it is, and usually we are. Usually we are. It is deeper because we're all very complicated. So unless it's addressed, the, the real issue addressed, I think always, you know, you're not going to teach somebody who is constantly criticized by their parents to get a better, you know, understanding of being criticized because they always... But let me ask you something, I, and I'm wondering if this has ever happened to you, that, you know, let's say you have some great... Uh, strength one day, you're a real, have real gavura and somebody wrongs you or says things that are, you know, somebody maybe in your circle one and you manage to just clam up and not say anything. Now, I don't know. I think people that are in the normal range of normal, what happens when you do that and you don't engage in very often that person with that silence will come back after a few minutes or, and say, you know, I'm sorry. I, I really shouldn't have said that or what I did was wrong. I'm saying, I think that, so I, I don't know, have you ever had that happen? I, I think that sometimes when I've had those moments where I've been able to hold myself back from engaging in an argument at the time and just said nothing, or let's say said, oh, can we talk about that later? Or maybe even said something like, you know, I'm sorry for that little comment I made and leave it at, you know, whatever. I'm saying that sometimes when the person has to sit with their own voice and issue that they just spewed, and you don't engage with it at the time, a person who has any kind of sense of conscience or self-growth or love for the other person might come to it on their own. Because often engaging in it is a way out, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, no, you're wrong, you're right, you're wrong, you're right. And so, you know, but when you don't allow that to happen, this is a case where the person was 99% wrong, okay? You know? And you just clam up, and then they come back, let's say, in an hour and say, you know what, I'm sorry, I was just, I was out of it. I was tired, I was hungry, I, you know, this happened to me today, I had a bad meeting today, I lost a lot of money, whatever it is, right? And you can say, yeah, and you know what, I'm sorry I made that little comment, you know, because it didn't help your situation. I see that you were way over the top, but I still had to give that little stock, you know? 
because I always give that little stuff. So again, you know, like when things are calmed down, we're talking again about being able to model something so that the next time it happens, maybe the person will have learned from you, you know, that you doubt it, but that it takes two to tango, which we said at the end, right? It takes two to tango. So if you decide I'm not tangoing, Right? I'm not tangoing, then often the other person has to sit with their own guilt and their own accountability and responsibility of, you know, what they and maybe that's what you're trying to do when no you... No doubt there are personalities out there that need to disrupt. That's, they come into a space, they meet other people in order to disrupt. Right. Um, to flex the attention from them. I actually have a dear friend who I think my first impression of her was this way, and when I learned to... Like when I figured it out a little bit, now it's now it's fun. So like, well, like like now I understand her from a different angle. And if she says something that to some people might come off as bristly, I don't respond that way because I, I understand her a little bit better. And anyways, we're able to have a, a positive relationship despite these personality traits. Um, but but my problem is, and I think that this is probably common is. So often, unless you're living just you and this one other person, so often it's not the right opportunity to deal with it, especially not right away because there's always people around. Mm -hmm. There's always something that's more priority than discussing the issue. And then when life finally comes down enough to discuss the issue, it's like, oh, you want to open that can of worms? Yeah. No, which is why tohaha is very, has to be done very sparingly and maybe not, not ever. Not at all. But again, what we're talking about here is when you get tochacha. Right. When you get tochacha, because we've already discussed the fact that tochacha is almost, unfortunately, often the least tool that we're ever going to use because of the fact that it opens cans of worms. But what we're talking about here is maybe one way of breaking that down a bit is by your being, because you're a growth-oriented person, because you don't mind saying that, you know what, there was a little bit of sh a schmeck of my, you know, doing something. Again, maybe you're not even going to tell them, maybe you're only going to do it within yourself because you're a growth-oriented person and say, you know what, I didn't need to make that little comment, even though this is not about me, right? This is not about me. But still, I didn't need to make that comment. I'm trying to work on myself. So again, I'm not saying that all of a sudden everything's wonderful. We're talking here about how we accept tochacha. Again, we can't change the other person's response. We can't change whether or not this person is growth-oriented or not. But the whole idea is that we can be growth-oriented. And we can say that if this happened, okay, what was my little tiny part in it? Even though, again, if a person's always blaming themselves and saying, oh, you know, it's all about me, and if I hadn't said that little thing, then this would never have happened. No, that's, that's self-abuse, right? And that's guilt, and that's the type of thing that isn't good. So, so how do we de-escalate? That's what we learned last yeah. week, right? How do we de- was that last week? Yeah. How do we de-escalate a situation where, okay, there's a difference between abuse and abuse, like we, we know, but I'm saying right. if someone's offending you, um, giving you tochecha, let's say, in a way that is too public, or um, telling you something you don't even agree with, so it's hard, it's hard. Um, um, folks should be this way. Well, maybe you don't agree. So, so it, when you're dealing with a situation like that, how do you de-escalate something 
while still, like you want the conversation to end, right? Right, so we said there were different types of tools, right? And it depends how good you are at being light in your head and on your feet, so to speak. You know, you can go open a window, you can make some kind of lighthearted joke, which so often we forget about how incredible humor can be to lighten things up. You know, we mm -hmm. think afterwards, gee, why did I get so intense about that? I could have just said some light comments and it would have gone away, right? But we get very pulled in. So that's why de-escalation is a real talent. You know, I, I don't know about this, but you see that something's going somewhere, right? Or it's getting, you know, every, they want to fight about the fork. No, it's this way, it's that way, it's this way, it's that way, right? So if you, you know, you could be a clever, funny person in the best of times, but for some reason you can't find that ability for humor in that moment because you're taking it very personally and this is an attack on me, but my mother said we always put forks like this and you know, and I got yelled at when I didn't put forks like this when I was a kid, right? So there could be so much under it. But again, it's like, it's about being a more evolved person and realizing this isn't about me, it's about this other person, right? Okay, you want it like this? You know what? Let's put it like this. This is even better, right? I don't know. Maybe that's going to escalate it, right? But I don't know. Something funny. You know, let's not even use forks, you know? Let's just use chopsticks tonight. We can't, you know? Yeah. Let's see with our fingers. You know what? Who needs a fork? Or the fork goes the same place. It goes in the same place. Who cares how it Gets into the city. But you're right, at that time, I have that a moment, example that we all laugh at, right? But I'm sure we can think of situations, or I can, where we're, you know, we're not talking about, and that's about yeah. me, we're right. talking about me. Right. So I, I, that's what I'm saying. How do you do Right, because, and that's the whole point. The point is, is that our primary response is probably going to be wrong. But the whole point of self growth is that we want to get the primary response to be like our secondary response. In other words, that we've practiced this so much that we don't even go to that, <laughs> right? Now, that's like a very high level, right? That's Sadiqim and people that we, we, we see don't get frazzled easily. Don't mm -hmm. allow, don't let other people um, determine their mood and their response, but are able to be, so to speak, above it. And be able to see, you know, this isn't about me. This is about the other person's Mishigas. And you know what? They're human and this. And I have my Mishigas. And I'll work on my Mishigas. I'm trying to work on my Mishigas. You know, I can't work on your Mishigas. Right? So, you know, when a person realizes, what, what did I just read recently? That you're supposed to be very easy on other people. People who re reach great levels. They're very easy on the people around them when it comes to their imperfections. And they're much more focused on how can I fix myself? How can I change? And when you are able to do that, which no, most of us spend our lives saying, I know what's wrong with you and I know what's wrong with you. And, you know, pointing fingers, even though three are pointing back at us, right? Mm -hmm. or, or not recognizing, like the Balai Musters say, that a lot of the things that really bother us about other people, the reason they bother us so much is because we actually have that. Uh, character trait or we have that thing mm -hmm. and when we see it in the other person it's kind of shocking or it blow it's blown up and there's a certain I mean I don't know I can't give a, a clear example of that but sometimes it's the kid who's the most like you that drives you the craziest right or we could say it's the kid most like your husband that drives you the craziest but generally speaking sometimes it could be the kid that is like you right 
So um, these are more about us. It's not about what the other person did, you know, whether we're going to calm this down and find some kind of wonderful, you know, meeting of the minds. It's about how can I be so able I to accept Tochacha? Somebody uh, trying basically to provoke you purposely, right? So there's a character trait, let's say, and that's what they're doing. So sooner or later, they're going to get somewhere that you react, right? Mm -hmm. You can't just be a stone. React, right? Let's say yeah. you have my family member. Let's say you go, like I had an incident some years ago. I went to bed to the bank in London, whatever. And this guy in front of me started basically uh, abusive, you know, behavior. Okay. Triggering my response, like whatever. So, I, like in the beginning, I was ignoring, but I had to react at some point. Either I could probably leave or something, but whatever. I didn't. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. But you also got family members like this. They will push you until you respond. Right. 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 Like so that's you, interesting that you're talking about a so circle how, three person who could do that to you. Right, somebody that you never see again, but and it stayed so, in your mind, and it stayed well. in your yeah. mind, right? Yeah. No, but I'm so still, you still what, what, what can I do? So, what would you, the hot pot? But, but see, I was upset because I did all these years, you see, that's why I'm saying, if you really can, even if you do all these victory, you do all this, can you actually really get rid of that, even if you're growing in your. You're doing so much more, and you're working on yourself, and you're you're learning to keep your mouth shut. But learning to keep your mouth shut can cause internalization. Yeah. No, because how do you react there? So, so let's answer her question first, okay? Like, okay, so what my inside, whatever, my So if you can remove yourself from that situation, that's the best thing to do, right? If you could have gotten out of line and said, okay, well, I won't be third in line anymore, but I'll be sixth in line. I'll have to go to the back of the line, right? Okay, whatever. I'm saying the point is, you know that interaction acting with this person is not going to change anything like could you please stop that I really don't appreciate yeah, this it's, right. it's just going to make them worse right or let's say now let's take it so let's say you could in that situation though you could have you could have walked away now we can't do that sometimes in the four corners of our house well she said she had time on she was working with time she, yeah, she, she was working with time to, yeah what about going to get a manager or somebody and saying, you know, this person is... Well, in the end, I, was, in the end, he, I just got very upset. That's what I, Like, my reaction in the end was very upset because I felt very abused by the whole situation. Anyway. Well, but, I'm not sure what also, they were saying, but... But whatever, he was abusive, he was trying to hit me. It was like really ridiculous. What, it's part, the part that person. stayed with you, yeah. the part that stayed with you, is it the feeling of being a victim, or is it that you weren't happy with the way that you became an aggressor, or like, what, what's the part that stayed with you? First of all, why would I trick such behavior? I feel like oh, I tricked yourself. I feel like something wrong with me that they're treating this your fault, behavior so. in people, right? It's not, he was just nobody, right? But I, I it's not the first time I have this yeah, happening to me. Like I, I seem to have, I seem to treat these certain Behaviors. abusive tendencies with, with people I've never met. In the, you know, well, this sounds quite intense. I get attacked on the street, I'm like, so for me, this it's sounds like, like you need a registered me, psychologist. Right? I, I told you. Right? That yeah. trick is such such a strange 
directions, right? What is this? I don't know. Maybe there's something inside of you that's saying, says, kick me, you know? I don't something know. Like you know, it's like that. You know, sometimes there are people who, walk, who, who invite that and they don't realize that there's something so, that's saying... This is how I get attention by. No, I know, I know, and I don't know. No, this is just getting. I'm giving an example, but you know, psychological. That that may be a deeper psychological issue that we don't really want to talk about. But you raise an interesting point anyway, because you know, sometimes in our circle three, we can move away, we can run away, we can go and get help. We can ask ourselves the question: Well, if this isn't once, it happens to me often with strangers. And maybe I need to pursue what is it about me that's well, help it, making it happened, this happen. It with the yeah, what were other people doing? What were other people doing when this was happening? I was a child, obviously. It keeps carrying with me. I, oh, okay. I, I think yeah. I released it. I think I'm super late, That's okay. We're having a lot of... What? Yeah, if you want to pass that down to me. Thank you. So sometimes we think we know everything, but there's obviously something I don't What were other people doing when that was going on? Yeah, but just... They just stick up for just you. Because, they didn't get well, well, this is what's interesting. Just because of what you shared, I might have been in that exact same lineup, being abused by the person in front of the exact same way. And because I have my upbringing instead of your upbringing, I might have reacted very differently to that experience. Correct. For me, it would have been either forgettable or maybe I just would have, I don't know, punched back from the beginning and therefore I didn't have a chance to feel victimized. I was right away the hero Correct. of my story. Whatever my reaction is would have been different would than yours. Different. Because you have your memory, your histories, your interpretation of Correct. who you are going into that situation, maybe. that's how you respond to it. So if you really want to delve deeper in that, then do. Delve deeper into it. Yeah. I want to talk about what Adele brought up to. You're right. Yeah, you, you probably would have just ignored the whole situation. So I, I just want to go back to what Adele was saying too, you know, about come on, let's face it, are we? can we really ever get rid of Hakpada? You know, I mean, with all of these tools... Sorry, Arlene. What did I say? Adele, it's okay. have you seen so well? <laughs> You know, I mean, are we fooling ourselves, right? So, you know, this is a development that takes many, many years. It's not something that happens in a second. And again, you know, even Dina Schoonmaker says that something that's really hardened and something, some kind of unresolved hakpada that you have that goes way, way back, you know, it's very difficult to change it. But we're talking about moving forward in the present, recognizing those situations that could result in Hakpada, and recognizing how do we get rid or nip it in the bud when it happens. Mm -hmm. Also, we're talking about situations where we're not going to nip it in the bud immediately. It may take time. It's interesting because I went back over some of the information. Something I want to clarify is when it says, who is the Sona? Who is the one who hates other people? Anybody who ignores, who, who, who will go out of their way out of animosity, Right? For three days, it says. Mm -hmm. Right? With the other person. So she says three days really represents three different intervals. In other words, the person tried to call me. I won't take their call. A few weeks later, I see them at a bar mitzvah. I leave the room. Another month later, I see them walking down the street. I go to the other side. 
Okay. First of all, she said it has to be out of animosity. It can't be because this is a dangerous person. I'm going to the other side of the street because otherwise they're going to attack me, right? Or this is a nudnik. If I don't get out of here, I'm going to be here for the next two hours and I don't have the time for this. But if it's out of the fact that, you know what, we had some kind of interaction, it's been three intervals of the person either trying to reach out to me situations where I could have tried to soften it, even if I just went over and said, uh, hi, and left, like Sarah Yocheved Rigler did in that example I gave you where she was insulted, she was in this big fancy party, and it was destroying her whole night. What happened? That this friend ignored her or didn't say hello, or worse than that, said something offensive, and she said to herself, well, it's up to me. I mean, this person forgot about it already, right? Meanwhile, I'm miserable. I'm going to be in this world of estrangement for the rest of who knows how long, and I'm going to say, I don't want this. I just don't want this. I don't need this in my life. It drains my energy. It's negative. It's not bothering the other person, but it's going to bother me. I'm going to wake up every morning with thinking about it. I'm never going to be able to let it go, and I don't want it, right? So obviously, some of the things that we have to do to, to do it is proactive, external type of actions, which may be superficial and not even real and coming from a real place. At the time, we might have to force it. We might have to pretend it. We might have to be good actresses with it. But we know the sages tell us that our external effects are internal, that when you put on a smile, even when you don't feel it, it will change the way you feel, that when you go over to that person who's caused you some kind of pain and you do something giving, right? That's why the Torah always gives the example of if your enemy, right? If you have an enemy and a friend who need help unloading their donkey, who are you supposed to go to first? The enemy. The enemy. Why? Because the idea is they won't be your enemy anymore. Not because they didn't do what they did to make you the enemy. Not because that disappeared. But by your simple act of giving, you somehow... You break the wall, you've softened it, you see the other person differently. Again, instead of zooming in, you now see... Oh, this is a whole person. It's not just that comment that they made. It's not just that they forgot my birthday, even though I remember theirs all the time. It's not just that they always make that idiotic comment whenever I see them, you know, oh, you've lost so much weight when I'm still exactly the same weight or I've even gained weight, you know, whatever. They want to talk about my weight, which I don't enjoy talking about, right? But that there's so much other stuff with that person. But the point is, is the, the idea is, like Rev Duster says, you know, it's not that loving leads to giving, but that giving leads to love. That once you've given to somebody, there's a certain closeness. It could be the guy who asked you, do you know where the, which bus goes to Yorkdale, right? And you were standing there as strangers in the bus shelter, but now that you've had to give over this information, there's some kind of connection again, right? There's some kind of sense of, hey, you know, you're a human being, I'm a human being, we're, you know, we, we have the same needs, we have the same dislikes, we don't like people treating us badly, we love when people are helpful and treat us well, and it softens things. So again, no, it's not like going to cure me of, of everything, and I'm just going to walk through life being, you know, yeah, being like, you know, this is your problem, it's not my problem, and I, I'm sorry for you, I feel bad that you have to do this. This is a level that our great people work to get to, 
in this very slow chipping away. And it takes a lot of self-esteem to be the one that goes over and says, hey, can I get you a drink? Or like Sarah Yochevin Riegler, did she plant a big kiss on this woman who she's really been upset by and says, I just want you to, you know, I, I just got to do this. And the other woman says, I love, and she says, I love you. And she says, I love you too, right? Okay, so like she wanted to get rid of it. Okay, I, I've got, so I, I don't know if I need to ask. I know I've been interrupt with a lot of questions. No, it's I don't okay. This is what the idea is. You know, I could, I could keep my questions for later if necessary. So shut me up if I, if I ask many questions. And I'm, now I'm trying to remember, do I remember all my questions? But um, <laughs> I think what I understand from what you just said is in circle three situations, we really need to go around with an attitude of how can I connect walking down the street, looking for opportunities to connect with people, in the bus shelter, looking for opportunities to connect to people. Well, yeah, but, I, but can I just say something? Mm -hmm. No, I mean, Circle 3, there are people who are going to bother you. They're going to cut you off in traffic. They're going to, you know, whatever it could be, anything. It's They're so going much to much easier. They could butt in line. Yes, and it's so much easier to, t to take a, a mitzvah commandments. Okay, they butted in line, exactly. but I'm not going to hate them. Instead, I'm going to... Approach them in conversation. Exactly. Make this into a friendly situation. Lovely. So maybe, is that or maybe to I'm going to say, why did he do this to me? Meaning, why did not? Why did okay. he do this to me? But why did he do this to okay. me? Okay. Because yes. everything is, and we're going to get to that because that's a very important tool, right? When it comes to these things, and you, we can't really discuss it without that tool because obviously, bottom line is that the people who are in your life and irritate you, whether they're the people you choose or the people you don't choose are there because Hashem is saying, how much have you grown? Do you still have the same reaction when someone cuts you off that you used to have when you were 14, when you were 28, when you were 38? Are you still wearing the same tzitzits that you wore when you were four years old, when you're 45 years old, right? So all of these things that go on in our day are there to say, have you been able to make any Circle 1 people feel like Circle 2 people? Have you been able to uh, be master over your emotions or recognize that when somebody insults you or does something bad to you, maybe it's a little gift from Hashem saying, you just had a kapara for all of your averas because we're told that when somebody insult is insulted and doesn't respond back, and I'm not talking about abusive situations that are ongoing, but just abusive situations that somebody comes along and does something to you that is just totally uncalled for and out of the normal. But we say that the sun rises every morning, it says, Chazal teach us, okay, for the person who is insulted, abused, and does not do back, does not take revenge, does not hold a grudge, recognizes Actually, there's a whole bunch of writings about that when these kind of things happen, great people would say, thank you. Thank you for this gift, Hashem, because this was like a mini Yom Kippur without having to fast, without having to do tshuva, without having to introspect. It was a total cleaning of my slate because of this guy who went into line ahead of me, started hitting me or kicking me or saying kinds of abusive things. And Hashem, you've just given me, right, a gift. Again, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about allowing abuse or this or welcoming it perhaps if there's, there's something going on like that. I'm talking about the things that we cannot control. Okay. And the people that we cannot control. 
Okay, again, it doesn't mean we don't sometimes have to use tochach and we have to take somebody aside in our circle one or a good friend that we have that we love and we don't want the friendship to dissolve because we feel there's so much good, but there's still some things that are getting in our way, right? So either we can let it go, either we can walk away from that relationship and say, life is too short, I can find other friends who don't rub me the wrong way as often as this happens, right? Or I can say that, no, I really want this friendship and I, I'm going to overlook certain things. I'm going to... So I, I think it's... I, I'm afraid that Go it's ahead. different skill sets. I'm trying to understand the similarity. I think in my circle one, someone's gave an example of um, her husband bites his fingernails and it drives her mad. And one day she realized, what? I'm not his mother. I don't have to teach him not to bite his fingernails. So if she's bothered by it, it's on her. She can remove herself. She can whatever it is. But that's not on her. She's not there to correct him for his nail biting. I don't know if that's collusion or not. I don't know. No, I don't think so. I think that, you know, what happens in marriage especially is, I mean, if you look back at your own marriage, um, it's amazing how things that really drove you crazy when you decide that you're not going to, you know, notice that anymore or some things that you notice and then you, you sort of say to yourself years later, wow, look at that. I don't get bothered by that anymore. And that used to drive me crazy, you know, the fact that he bit his nails or the fact that he chewed too loudly or whatever it is. But I've I've somehow grown or I don't know what happened. It's not like he doesn't do it still, but I've maybe I'm taking in more of the person or I've grown in maturity or Shauna. I, I have a friend whose wife was very messy and she passed away. And I remember after she passed away, he's in his very neat and organized. And he said, you know. I would do anything now to have her mess in the house. Yeah, there was a famous Israeli story like that, right? With Lo Chashuv. Do you remember that story no. years ago? No. Yeah, it was the same idea. The woman was really like messy and just like nothing was important and everything was tomorrow and this and that. And I can't remember at the she died and and um can't remember the end of the story, but the idea and he was... And all her mess. No, no, no the oh. end of the story was that he re he realized Lo Chashuv. Exactly. It wasn't that important. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's the thing is that when we grow and we develop and we, we try to catch the other person doing good things and, and, and focus on gratitude and all that they do for us, even though the nail biting is still there, it's amazing how we don't see it and it doesn't irritate us. Yeah. The way it once did, and then you know what? When you you can you can enjoy the pleasure of saying, "Look at how I've grown. Look at how, like right." We said that you know you can have a couple that has you know this was a different idea, but that have ten things that drive each other crazy, but they have a good marriage. Why? Because they have ability to communicate. And another couple can have one thing, but they don't necessarily have a happier marriage because. They don't communicate. They don't try to. So again, I don't know. Maybe she could say, you know what, honey? I, I don't know. It's me, okay? It's not you. I know you have this difficulty. You can't stop. But is there any way that, like, you could just be more aware when you're around me? I mean, obviously, it has to be done so lovingly, and it has to be the right time. It has to be when she's just done something wonderful for him, and whatever it is. And maybe it's still going to backfire. But And then, you know what you have to say? Hashem help. I don't want to, I don't want to be bothered by it anymore. I don't want it to be something that ruins my day. I need to grow up. I need to recognize that this is not about me. It's about him. 
I'm not going to change him. That's not my job. He has to take ownership of this. You know, I'm not going to stop my husband from whatever it is, or my friend, or my... But is there enough here that's worthwhile? Right? Yeah. Also an expression I've heard, be curious, not furious. So yeah, something that's interesting happens. too. Why does he bite his nails? Mm. But he's like, <laughs> you know, like sometimes somebody can be very irritated and then they're taking it out on you and then you think, you know, but then you think, okay, what's going on in their life right now that's making them this way? And then you can tap into your empathy. Like you still might not like it that they're taking it out on you, but you can realize, oh, maybe they had a really bad day at school or at work. Well, you could soften it. You could say, you know, like he bites his nails. You know what? He's been biting his nails since he was seven. His parents fought all the time. Yeah. You know, this was his way of coping as a kid. He bit his nails. It's obviously a sign of anxiety and you know, whatever it, it represents, nail biting, right? It usually NLP. represents... And it's not... And it's NLP. And if you look... LP? NLP. Neurolinguistic reprogramming. Right? How whatever it is. There are kids who need to chew on things yeah. all the time. There are kids who have got all kinds of stuff with their mouth that they, you know, they kept their pacifier till they were 10. Mm -hmm. I mean, who knows? But I'm not curing this. And you know what my work is? My work is to look away and not let it bother me anymore. So I'm trying to understand this, this series of classes in Hakpara. If that's a it's sort about of... about you, not okay, about the but other it, people. But, if, but if, we, if we're saying that we work on ourselves to get over things like this, like this I could see practicing on third circle and could filter through to first circle. If I can be um, yeah. um, forgiving of strangers biting their nails, I can learn to be forgetting of, of my... Right, and that's really nails. what you said but, is very important. But, you but, should practice on these sort of benign places. That's what the Balai Musar say. That you should try and practice tochacha, these things that are really difficult, or letting go, or whatever, with the guy who buds in line, with the person who's rude to you. In, in, in the, right? That if you could practice it in these more, I won't say banal or whatever, but less... Charged. Okay. Charged. So then, then charged. hopefully yeah. you will be able to practice it and get better at it because with it's the a people. Skill. It yeah. becomes internalized. It becomes internalized. So, so when we talk, when I mentioned before, different skill sets. This is that's one skill set. I can recognize that. But let's use the example of a person butting in line. When it's a stranger butting in front of you. Um, they don't know your your intentions. The closer you get to the inside circles, usually those people know your intentions. So if you have a plan and it's being blocked by somebody that understands your plan, that's no longer something that's that's easily forgotten. Like biting nails has nothing to do with me. If, if it's um, I'm. I'm trying to think in a home where there'd be a, a lineup. Okay, so let's, it, it's time to get well, out. Let's of the, talk about this okay. guy in front of you, right? So let's say you want to practice your tochacha skills, okay? Which would be a great opportunity, right? So you want to be able to get this guy not to butt in line and use your direct communication instead of fuming. And you're going to practice this because you know what? If I don't pass, big deal. He's out of my life. He's not my circle one. It's not even my best friend that, you know, stepped on my toe and I have to approach. I'm going to practice here with this guy, right? And some people can do it very well. They can say, oh, you know, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't, re maybe you didn't realize, but I was standing here, you know, or, you know, it, it seems to me, or you could say it in a non-threatening way and the person gets the hint. And if they're within the normal range of normal, Right? They'll be embarrassed or recognize, oh, you know, or they might even say, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't see you. 
Okay, sure, whatever, maybe they didn't, right? You're gonna give them the benefit of the doubt. You're gonna practice all of these skills that you've learned and you're gonna practice it with a person who's in your circle three. And the point is if you get better and better with those kind of things that happen on a daily or maybe not basis, then like Shauna said, it will become transferable. You'll become emboldened because you'll have successes. You'll say, look how well I did that. Look how macabre the other person was. Okay. Look, right? Now maybe yeah. I'll be able to do it with it. And again, we already said many, many times, and I'll say it, and, and they said this back in Rabbi Akiva's time. They, you know, I would be surprised if anyone in this generation could accept Tochacha properly. They said, they said this thousands of years ago. Okay? So human beings have not changed. But what we've been talking about more in this class is that when we model Right, Because we know that role modeling is the greatest teacher. You can tell your kids a hundred times to do things. You can tell your spouse a hundred times to do things. But when you behave in that way, when you act a certain way, it may not happen immediately. It may not happen in your lifetime. It may not. But you know what? It's still the biggest teacher for those around you. It's still a much better bet than direct teaching. Okay? That you become, what does it say? You become what you become the change you want to see. You become the change you want to see, right? I can't change other people. I can only change myself. If I become that person who says, thank you so much for pointing that out for me. You know what? I'm going to think about that. Um, you know what? I, I, if he's, if it's okay, I just want not to not out of abuse uh -huh. because you are the master. Okay, and yes, there's no such thing that it doesn't take two to tango, that maybe you did have a part in this on some minute level. And even if it's only minute, you're willing to own it. Okay, but again, your goal is not, you see how great I am that I'm able to, you know, accept tochacha when you aren't. It's because you really are dedicated and committed to growing and becoming the person who is able to accept Tochacha okay. in a constructive way. Are we I think we're going to, should we, we are, that's why I think we should move on a little bit. Um, is that okay? Yeah, but, no, gonna, but tell us your words of wisdom before. Uh, I was going to give over something, though. My kid might not be so appreciative if it's recorded, but it's okay. So one of my kids gave me Tochacha last night. I had taken them to the dollar store with a friend, get stuff for a project for school, whatever, and at night, saying goodnight, and she was saying, you know, and she was giving me a few things that bothered her. And there was a part of me that was thinking, like, okay, I took you to Dollarama, I did this, I did that. And, and she's like, are you sad? And I was like, a little. She goes, should I keep going and tell you all the things that are bothering me? I'm like, no, I think that's enough. But then, and the it's like, she goes, no, I feel bad. But really, but then in the end, I gave her a kiss and a hug. I told her I loved her. And I thought about it. And I thought, okay, like, what is the message for me? And one of the things was, like, I talked a lot when her and her friend were in the car whatever. And I think I had repeated myself. And she didn't like that. Anyways, <laughs> so... But in the end, I said, what is my message here? Like, even though, okay, I'm sensitive, so it was a little hurtful. But I thought, wow, you know what? She was comfortable enough to tell me, and that's really good. And I thought, today I'm going to tell her when I have a long time with her. You know, that was really good that you could talk to mommy and, and tell her what was on your mind. Because it's it's hard to say when things bother you, and that's good practice. And then for it's me... good for marriage communication. Yeah, right? and for me, it's good to know, you know, sometimes... You know, I need to listen more. 
and not, let's say, talk as much, or, or make sure I don't, let's say, say things over and over, or whatever. Yeah. Take so, away the conversation from her and her friend, maybe, in the car that she yeah. wanted to have with her, and not yeah. you chiming in. She wanted you to disappear, maybe. Yeah, just be the, be the chauffeur, yeah. or whatever. <laughs> um, but, you know, but it's good. And the other piece, too, is I think when we're in a in the home, it's if we're, let's say we're dialoguing with a spouse, or even with another kid, if your someone has a lot of kids, it's also modeling for the other people. And and a big thing too is if you do something wrong, there's always a chance for relationship repair. So sometimes we can judge ourselves really harshly and say, oh, you know, like I flipped out on this kid and oh my gosh, I'm a terrible mother or whatever. But if you have that conversation after, then you have a chance for repair. And that is also so important. And when you are yeah. able to model let's say, having a disagreement with someone in the family and the other people see it done in a calm way that's modeling too, and that's also really important for our kids especially. Yeah. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with kids seeing that mommy and daddy fight sometimes, but then they make up and they yeah they had that conversation somewhere because things are good again, yeah. right? Because that's real life. Yeah. And you know what? That's good for their own marriage yeah. because what do they say about people who think that you know they have their first fight with their husband and it's all over yeah or whatever because you know whatever so yeah but i think the fact that you know nothing is there's the idea of repair and we're we are imperfect and you know we're going to not always handle things in the right way and the modeling which is what shauna was saying too modeling that uh you know, I, I'm a, I can I can be macabre that there were things that you didn't like, and I can change that. And I'm happy you wanted to talk about that. And you know, maybe the next time you have to say something to your daughter, mm -hmm. she's going to be also mimicking you. Mm -hmm. And instead of getting angry and upset, saying, "Okay, mommy, you know, if that's what you would like, I'm going to try and do that." So it's a very powerful tool, as much as we. Um, so, you know, there's a lot to this, and we really, like, talked about a lot of different things today. But the point that I think all of it is making is that it's not a solution-based program here that happens in a second. It's a journey, and it's just knowing that these tools exist. You know, I always say it's like, you know, when you go to Weight Watchers or you're on a diet... It's like something that you know what you're supposed to eat and you know what you shouldn't eat, but it sort of slips to the back of your head. You know, but when you're paying that 10 bucks every week or you're on some kind of program that you paid for, so it's like right there. It's right in the front of your brain, right? And it's part of your day, what you're going to be eating, how you're going to be doing this. And it's the same thing with all of these concepts. We know them. You know, a lot of them are just general wisdom about relationships and communication and life and why would we want to walk around with all this anger and resentment when we don't have to right um and and, and so what happens when you talk about it and you have a musarvad is that you bring it up here and then all of a sudden things happen in your day hashem sends you things and it's it's there at the forefront so maybe you can grab one of the ideas whichever one works for you Right and say, well, what's this, you know, what am I going to do with this, you know? And again, we've only done two tools. I thought we were going to do humor today, but I guess we're not. <laughs> That's um, so funny. Unless you want to start just a little bit of it, yeah. would you, if you have time? Are you okay? I hope. I hope. <laughs>
So, I mean, let me just sum up by saying, you know, again, that the idea of tohacha is, is if tohacha, which according to Chazal and all of the writings, is really supposed to be about caring, loving, and concern, meaning, you know, we talked about don't put a stumbling block in front of a blind person, that if somebody's blind and you're trying to remove that stumbling block and you're coming at it from a place of love and concern, then that is ideally what the rabbis are talking about when they're talking about direct communication. It's how else is the person supposed to know? It's They can't know by ESP, right? You're doing them a great service by removing that stumbling block. If it's coming from a place of love and concern and caring, then again, the idea though too is that we can respond in the right way even if the person giving us tochacha is not giving it in the perfect way, even if they're not necessarily trained. Okay? And when we accept tochacha properly, we can help them understand that we see this as a relationship oriented building process, repair, building, you know, being able to be have this kind of communication that could be, as, as Dina says, it's really the best way, but unfortunately it's been lost because people are so afraid of it. And so if we can do it with people that, the guy in line, and practice there somewhere, they suggest, then hopefully we can bring it back into our everyday. Okay, let's talk a little bit about humor just quickly. So humor is the next tool, and because sometimes vitour won't work, right? We said that letting it go is not going to work with somebody who's a constant offender, who's in your circle one, and they know exactly how to provoke you, and they're going to keep doing it, and they do it over and over again. You can't just let it go, let it go, let it go. So what are you going to do, right? And sometimes sochacha is not going to work because the person will not be macabre, no matter how you do it, how you say it. You know, whether you model it for the rest of your life, they're never going to be able to be macabre any kind of criticism. They're way too defensive. They had a critical mother. They, they can't handle any kind of imperfection being pointed out in any way. Forget it, right? So what about humor? So there's two words for humor, okay? One is the one you probably heard called leitzanus which is always used in a negative context, right? They usually uh, talk about that as mockery. Leitzanus is like a cruel type of humor. It's the guy who slips like on... It's sarcasm. It's like the no, it's laughing at... But you're really it's biting, mean. right. It's a biting type of cruel humor. You're laughing at the other person's expense, right? The guy slips on the banana peel. It's very, very funny, but he's going to hurt and fall and hurt himself. He's going to fall and hurt himself, but that's funny, right? What did they have? Bloopers or something? They had some show on TV for a while, which was all these horrible things. It was funny at so I don't know why. Okay, why whatever it was, but people enjoyed laughing. It is funny. Nobody's it's saying it's not funny. It's a part of humor. Some people like that humor. Right, laugh at someone else's expense, laugh at someone else's, you know, embarrassment, laugh at someone else's, you know, whatever it was, candid camera, you know, right? That was softer, right? Then, then it got harsher and harsher as time goes on, right? Roasting people, funerals where people want to laugh at the person. Yes, you can go to funerals today where it's a roast of the person. 
you know, let's talk about all the funny things that they did that were so weird or... And you're sitting there laughing away in the eulogy. Well, whatever, or, people, yeah. or else you're saying, this is disgusting, but, you know, this is how far people have gone, right? That instead of bringing out the beauty in the person, they're using it as a laugh fest because everybody's so uncomfortable with death. And everybody's uncomfortable with anything to do with that in this society we live in, which is where a lot of late sunness comes from. Right? But is this the laughing at someone instead of laughing like Yeah, this is, is the well, it's laughing at, it's like, yeah, it's laughing at. It's lightheadedness and cruelty mixed together. Okay? Now, there's something else called bedichos hada'as, and this is what is considered a good use of humor. So, Ravoba says that you can use a second type of humor to help get rid of hakpada. So, what is the definition of this type of humor? It means basically that you have compassion for people. We're gonna see how this plays into humor, okay? It's a type of humor that comes out of having compassion for people who have had a hard life. And it's just interesting. She says that if somebody is hurting you, you could think of this phrase by Rabbi Pelkovitz where he says, hurt people, hurt people, okay? So that's another thing. Again, Stephen Covey said, what's hurting you? People who are hurt tend to hurt other people. And in Hebrew, there's an expression in Israel where they say, Ein adam ra, yesh adam shera lo. Mm -hmm. It's not that the person's bad, but there's, this is a person who has a certain bad situation or bad something that's happening to him or in him because of the, you know, the consequences of how he's taken in life, right? So, in other words, you have to think about the person that's hurting you, even before you can use this humor, is there must be something up with this person if they feel the need to hurt me, okay? And this humor is based on forgiveness for the emotionally unintelligent, okay? People who don't know how to conduct themselves, People who don't know how to not cause pain to other people because they themselves are hurting. Okay, this might help with, right? So what is this type of humor? This type of humor is defined as having a sharp eye for understanding people's weaknesses, recognizing what it is that motivates them to behave this way. They have bad self-esteem, they're insecure, they don't know how to uh, have good emotional regulation, right? When they get upset, they're impulsive, they're uh, whatever. There's all kinds of reasons, right? So this is a person who has a very sharp eye for other people's weaknesses, but they're not going to use it to cut the person down and to make them low, they're going to have a sharp eye for understanding pe people's weaknesses without devaluing them. Okay, so this takes a certain objectivity, a certain sense of self-esteem of the of you, right? That you can do this. So she says, um, it's the person who has psychological insight into other people, and they, it's not like the cruel, like the psychologist who can give everybody a label at this table, right? 
and sort of feel like, yeah, well, you act that way because you're OCD and you act like that because you're manic depressive and you act like that because, you know, and it's like, it, it doesn't come with any kind of love. Okay. But it's the person who can love another person, even if they have some kind of deficiency and not devalue them. So she says, when intelligence and love are merged together, then this can prevent hakpada. In other words, when you can say to yourself, you can stand back and after the sting has stung you, be able to say, you know, people have a reason for why they do things and it's not all about me. Or maybe it has nothing to do with me. So why is this called humor? What does this have to do with humor? When you're in a situation when someone hurts your feelings or the hurt is very intense, Sometimes when you look at it afterwards, when there's a time lapse, it could actually make you laugh, she says. So she says, think about a comedy show. When a person goes to a comedy show, we generally seem to laugh very hard at the things that were very painful at the time. Okay? So she says, for example, in Israel, going to Misrat HaPanim for any Ola from Chutz Laaretz, People will tell stories about going to the Doar there, to going to get any kind of bureaucracy done. At the time, they are crying. They are angry. They are fuming. But yet, you can go to a comedy show where somebody's telling the story of how they went to the Misrata Panim, right? Or how they went to get a birth certificate for their kid, or how they tried to get a simple piece of paper signed, right? And everybody's cracking up. Okay, so what is that? So now there's a certain distance, right? Now you're the observer, you're not the participant. And you have a certain distance that lets you see this is so ludicrous. This is so funny. It's so crazy that this person says that tactless remark all the time. But you know what? No one's ever going to be able to teach them tact. Because perhaps, you know, they just don't have that skill set. You know, maybe they went to social skills training when they were a kid, whatever it is, but there's just certain places that are completely dark when it comes to emotional IQ that they're never going to get. Now, I could be really intense about it and get really upset or really offended, or I could stand by back like the observer in the comedy show and not laugh in their face, but laugh to myself, keeping it light, not allowing myself to get intense, and say, you know what, this person, they just, they just, they just don't know. It's not in their skill set. They don't know how to do this, right? Why should I get so heavy and hard about it instead of recognizing again? I'm going to use my ability, my sharp eye, my psychological nature to recognize this has nothing to do with me. You know, this person has this thing, and I'm not going to devalue them. Because of it, because they can't help it, they were born like this, or they developed this, or they, with everything that we've tried with them, therapy, this, that, talking to them, whatever, it's not going to change, I better just laugh about it. But not in a cruel way, not in a, ugh, you are just, there's not, nothing we can do with you, you are a complete, you know, idiot, da 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 let's make fun of this person. So you see that this is a very difficult, difficult tool. And it takes a lot of, you know, a lot of talent and skill. And some people have it naturally. They're able to let go of other people's faults and frailties and deficiencies and laugh and say, 
you know what, I've tried it so many times, and this person, that, that's the way they are. They're always going to do this. It's not my job to change them. It's my job to not get too intense about it. Okay, we'll talk more about it because we've really been around this beautiful table at Arlene's. Oh, and it's lousy weather out there, so we just want to stay here all day and get into our pajamas. No, yeah, just kidding. And uh, anyway, thank you very much. 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 Thank you 